0: Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. My name is Mike Perry and I'm here with my co-host Brett Jones. Brett, how are we today? Fabulous.
1: Um, this may be a record. I think the last time we were on, I talked about an actual sunny you know, winter day in, in uh, Pittsburgh and we're having another one. Um, so basically everybody's outside, shorts, t-shirts, and screaming like banshees because we don't know what to do with it.
0: Yes. Um I've never heard a banshee scream, so I'm gonna Google that immediately after. Um just yeah, because I'll, I'll spare you my impersonation. Come on, do it. <laughs> um anyways, so we are going to talk about the pistol squat. And um, you know, it's one of my favorite single leg squat variations. It's something that I've uh, I've spent a lot of time training, discussing, coaching, cueing, you name it um learned a few things along the way and 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 part of that is is the information that i learned from brett because he was my original uh team leader when i did my uh my first rkc and uh ever since then the pistol has been something that i've uh, probably spent a a little bit too much time on but we're going to talk everything pistol and uh we're going to hopefully give you some advice on programming uh do's and don'ts if you will um some things to look for coaching you name it so uh it's all about the pistol. Um Brett, what was your first uh experience with the pistol squad? Naked Warrior,
1: um, you know, Pavel's Pavel's book and of course training with Pavel from um, you know, um, February of 02 and on and competing in the first uh, tactical strength challenge in October of 2002. And back then it was uh it was there was a 32 there was a 24 kilo division and a 32 kilo division. I, of course, went for the 32-kilo division, not being smart. And um, it was max pistols with a 32, max pull-ups with a 32, and then max snatches with one hand switch with a 32. And um, I was fortunate at this first event in that uh, I ended up only having to do two uh, pistols because uh, I was the last person in the order. I think there were three competitors. Um, And uh, – you know, the people before me, uh, totaled one. So I needed to do two, uh, with each leg and that was it. And then fast forward into March or April of 2003. And I end up, um, again, competing and, and a, another competitor had gotten 10 each leg. Um, cause the way the scoring went was you got the, the lower of the the two. If you got eight on one side and seven on the other, you got seven, not eight. So he went through and got you know ten on each leg. Um, I managed to come through and I only got nine because I got ten on the first leg and then I, I pooped out and only got nine on the, uh, the the next leg and completed the Beast Tamer challenge some few years after that. I can't even remember when. Um, so I've done a variety of pistols uh, from body weight to. Um, Double bell racked to you know higher repetition pistols with like like I said with a 32 heavy pistols with a 48 um, you know just a, a variety and you know at a at a certain point I mean it was uh, um, kind of easy peasy uh, something that I I enjoyed doing but I think there's some real foundational stuff uh, in the pistol um, and the progressions to get to the pistol that sets you up well. Um, you know, if you look at coach Boyle's work and, um, um, the, the bilateral versus single, single limb, uh, sort of training and research, uh, there, there's a, there's a big play to have a good amount of single leg, uh, stance and single limb work, uh, in your, in your training, the pistol can be, um, uh, a great part of that. And there's times where it's not a, a great part of that. And I think we'll, we'll get into all of those and, and maybe we just shift the conversation immediately to what sets the foundation for being
0: able to do a pistol. Absolutely. And, um, if you know anything about Brett and I, you know, that, um, we both teach for for functional movement systems. Brett has been with them a lot longer than I have, but um, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, you know, teach the system and, and and understand the system. So I'm I'm fairly well versed on uh, evaluating individuals, whether it's using the FMS or other types of uh, you know table based assessments. But um, <clears throat> if you do want to complete a pistol squat. Um, there are a couple, uh, movement prerequisites and, uh, I would say is optimizing ankle mobility. If, if you can't own that loaded dorsiflexion and optimize it, um, it's going to be a really, really hard day for you if you're trying to do pistols, um, with limited ankle mobility. Now, can you get away with it? Absolutely. But I'll tell you this right now, optimize your ankle mobility and, and spend as much time as you need to really nail that before going in and, and training the pistol squat because um if you don't optimize that and you continue to uh load the pistol yes you can get it done but you know now you're you're distributing that total body load in places that um maybe you don't like it like your low back and, and 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 other parts right so um optimize ankle mobility and uh and and that's really the first step i would say once you do that being able to uh go into a deep squat with your feet together. So heels down, feet together, being able to go to a sort of an Astrograss squat. Um, if you can do that, counterbalance or not, that having those two nailed down will get you a pretty good start on uh being able to train the pistol. I'm not saying that if you have good ankle mobility and you can do a deep squat, that you can do a pistol. All I'm saying is that you probably have uh, enough mobility to start attempting the process? Definitely. So uh, I will um, <clears throat> pair
1: it and repeat uh, ankles, 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 ankles. You should probably have good ankle mobility and check your ankles. Um, the other part of the hip mobility and, and part of that feet together squat and things like that is um, there's a big difference, counterbalance versus no counterbalance. Um, and you need to be able to actively use your hip flexor through the range of motion to be able to pull you into the, into the proper position. And we're going to talk spine position here in just a minute, but the, uh, most people, um, or let's, let me rephrase, uh, cause I, I do try to avoid using the most people sort of, uh, um, category.
0: Most people um, would agree. <laughs>
1: Sorry. That was a layup. Eight out of 10. Um, the uh <laughs> now I've got Richard Dawson on the brain. Survey says, <laughs> sorry. Um <laughs> but uh I think we've become so scared of tight hip flexors that we've given ourselves weak hip flexors and the ability to you know pull yourself to to actively you know pull yourself into that deep hip flexed position without having the the muscular i'm not going to start blaming a particular muscle but without having the muscles that are responsible for that uh checking out makes a big difference in your pistol and uh the health and safety of your hip and 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 low back so checking in on your hip flexor strength and knowing that you can activate through that entire range uh makes a big deal um from that feet together squat doing those bottom isometrics Um, and, and being able to shift onto one leg, extend the other leg out, bring that leg back underneath of you and then stand up. There's a, something that in my experience and speaking for myself and students that I've trained, uh, as kettlebell folks who are used to doing those prying goblet squats and kettlebell front squats and really going rock bottom. Um, we get some really good, you know, deep squats going on. So we get used to kind of bottoming out. Um, that can be a rough position in, in your pistol. And so in your pistol, we actually want to be an inch or two out of rock bottom and you need to be able to control that range. So that feet together squat where you're extending one leg and bringing it back, even if you're standing on something like a yoga block or a low box so that you're not obligated to hold that leg up as high. And we'll, we'll talk here in a minute about coach Boyle and, you know, his, his perspectives on, on single leg squat or, or skater squat or whatever they call them now. Um, uh, cause I think it's a useful you know piece of the conversation for just, you know, opening the pistol up to populations that might not think they can do pistols. Um, so, you know, that's, I've found that to be a really important, uh, piece of
0: the puzzle. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's definitely one of those exercises that when done correctly and, and done with the right programming, and we will talk about that in a little bit, um, it can be super therapeutic. It really can. Um, you know, there's been times when I was consistently doing pistol squats and I felt phenomenal. Knees felt great. Ankles felt great. Um, everything felt awesome. Um, but I will tell you this, my, my movement prerequisites were there. I had very good ankle mobility and, and uh, my hips were moving well. Um <clears throat> If I tried to hop into that similar training style right now, after having, um, one ankle repaired and the other one that needs to be repaired, um, I, I just wouldn't do it right now. Um, I would, could I do it? Yes. Would I be leaving those training sessions with pissy knees and, in a grumpy low back? Yes. So f- for me right now, um, I know my limitations and I know that right now is not the appropriate time to perform them. Will I again in the future? Well, if I can get these these joints <laughs> fixed up. Absolutely. So um, you know, there is a a certain amount of relative intensity that goes along with training the pistol, um, especially when you're in that single leg stance at the very, very bottom. Um, if you've never felt muscles get super tense, or you've never felt having to truly, truly tighten, um, tighten your core or even just tighten up with your hips at the bottom it's, it's going to surprise you. You're going to get some cramps and you're going to feel some sensations that maybe you haven't felt before because, um, you know, just like any new position that your body sort of moves into your body's going, Whoa, like this is, this is new. And, uh, um, you know, everybody responds differently, but, um, yes, you should work up to doing these things in a a safe and effective fashion but at the same time it's a very high level movement so even doing a light pistol or a bodyweight pistol is very very challenging so um if you're and not to pick on people but if if you're relatively weak and you have poor flexibility don't even entertain the thought about trying to do a pistol because it's going to be a a very humbling experience but um it, it it's hard it's a hard exercise man just like a one arm push up or or anything that's a true body weight. Even for some people a regular push up is is tough. A one arm one leg push up is really tough pull up. So um can you work towards it um via progressions? Absolutely but Man, you get to that point, if you can do any type of pistol squat, you've got some pretty strong legs, but the question is, is how can we safely get you there? And, and that's what we're going to talk about now is, you know, what progressions can we use? Brett had talked about using that close squat where, um, you're going to, you know, kick one leg out and you're going to support yourself at the bottom with one leg and do the same thing on the opposite side. Um, that's a great way to do it, but that's the very, very bottom of the squat. That is the positioning of the pistol squat that requires the most amount of mobility getting out of there is a whole different conversation. and even you know how you train the eccentric versus the concentric is 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 very, very um, important. But Brett, when you are working with someone, let's say you've cleaned their mobility up, they move fairly well and they want to learn how to pistol squat what what's what do you do for their first step? Well, I because
1: I can't give you one step at a time. I'm just gonna kind of <laughs> lay out the, the yeah, give me yeah, absolutely. the variety of things that could be part of the process if we've cleaned up mobility and if they can do that feet together squat uh, even without the iso holds at the bottom you know that that would be the progression off of that but you may actually spend some time just being able to get to the bottom of a feet together squat and here's where the counterbalance can really come in um as i'm apt to do i'll use myself as an example because why not Uh, i'm easy i have access to me all the time and um i'm an easy example um, with my hip structure at this point, uh, being 51 and having some mileage and not wanting to round my low back, uh, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. Um, if I do a feet together squat, it's with a counterbalance with a counterbalance, I can maintain a pretty upright position and a pretty balanced pelvis without the counterbalance because of my hip structure. I hit a certain point where my my hip stops. So my back starts and there's, there's, there's no escape, right? So, um, especially in a feet together squat. So for me, that's a, that's a counterbalanced feet together squat, and then working on that bottom position, uh, to do those, uh, those ISO holds. But you know, that's not, that's one potential piece of the puzzle, single leg deadlift, airborne lunge, Pardon me, they got to be in the picture because it's going to set the hip strength, quad strength, and really kind of w- work around the pistol and developing the single leg strength that you need to be able to perform it in the end. And then there's box pistols. So if I go down on two feet and up on one, just working the concentric, uh, that's one version. If I go down on one and come up on two, Now I get to work my eccentric. So somewhere in the mix of those things, and then off to the side, we have other tools we can bring into play, such as banded uh, pistols, where we're getting some uh, assistance. I'm not resisting the pistol yet. I'm getting uh, assistance. I'm not a huge fan of using suspension straps and things like that, because the way people sit back into it and the center of mass, the center of gravity is just all kinds, is just not right um that's usually the first type of single leg squat that somebody will be able to achieve but it's because of the counterbalance and the way you're assisting yourself with your arms so the the uh jump stretch band or uh, resistance band assisted versions um can make a big difference in any of the progressions that I just talked about there so that's kind of a smattering which one do you need to be doing <clears throat> um yes um, some version of something in that mix, because I don't know you and I don't know where your weak spot is right now.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, I would argue that with the pistol, um, if you want to be a successful coach at at getting your clients to do the pistol, you've got to have some experience because it's a very, very different animal than teaching someone a goblet squat or double kettlebell front squat. It's just very, very different. And, um, you know, if you got to have a lot of tools in the toolbox, right? Um, Because there's just so many things to consider. So um, again, it's one of those exercises that is just fairly complicated. And if you don't have the experience doing it and teaching it, it's going to be really, really hard to do it. So I would say if you're a coach, go through the journey yourself before you try any of these progressions, because you may put together something that is actually really, really effective. But you know, from a principal standpoint, like Brett was saying, you know, single leg deadlifts, learning how to root, learning how to drive your feet into the ground and move a load, super important. Airborne lunges, uh, another variation where you are essentially loading in one leg, but depending on how you're setting it up, you're not going to go through that full sort of range of motion. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that you, you had talked about is, uh, you know, using like a suspension trainer, like a TRX or a rings or whatever to sit into that single leg squat. And and I'm with you 100%. And, uh, you know, I've taught this long enough that, um, like you had mentioned, if your weight is all the way back and you're hanging on to a trx the second you let go of that trx you're on your butt right now can you use now this is a very different exercise it's not a pistol but can you use that setup to strengthen your legs yes but it will not carry over to a pistol whatsoever if you want to use it as almost like a a hand assisted single leg press type thing where you're you're vertical and up and down and you can gauge how much you're using great but it's not going to help with your pistol is it a bad exercise not necessarily i i don't program it but um it's not going to help you with your pistol so the big thing is 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 your weight distribution right you have to make sure that you kind of are loading in that tripod of the foot so you've got the heel um you've got the big toe and you've got basically the area by the pinky toe and um you have to have really those three points of contact because if your weight is not distributed equally equally between those if your weight goes into your heels you're falling backwards um most people are going to fall backwards and not necessarily fall forwards um, based off of the position so those are a couple of things to to consider right out of the right out of the gate um let's talk about the difference between a body weight or what we call a naked pistol which means with no weight and a, a counterbalance um because most people will assume that if there's no weight it's easier hmm. and when it comes to the pistol it's actually an odd continuum because, A lot of people will access the pistol with a small external load. I'm talking 10, 12 pounds, 15 ish. And that allows them to sit into the pistol squat and use that, that kettlebell as a counterbalance. And they're going to be holding it at, um, you know, arms length or however far out they want to, you know, hold the kettlebell, but due to the counterbalance, people are going to be able to access the squat with a counterbalance and a light external load easier. So, you start off with that. And then if you want to work towards a body weight or a, um, a naked pistol, um, it's actually going to be a little bit harder. So you're going to use a load to access the pattern. And then if you want to go to a true body weight, you're going to actually have a really, really folded torso. You're actually going to be very, very hingy at the very, very bottom because the only way, the only thing that's going to act as your counterbalance is basically your upper body. Your arms are going to go forward. Your weight from your upper extremities and your shoulders are going to shift forward. And that is going to similarly act as the counterbalance as well. And then you're going to go through the range of motion, but it's going to look very different and you're going to not be nearly as vertical, right? And then if you get to that point, cool. And then if you want to make it harder, what do you do? Well, you can work on tempo, but then you can bring the load back in, but now you're going to increase the load. So it'll actually challenge you from a strength training standpoint, and you're not using it as a counterbalance, but either way, if you're doing any of these, you're getting stronger, right? You're accessing the pattern, but it's a very, very different process. You go from loaded to unloaded back to loaded. There aren't too many exercises that you progress in that fashion.
1: 100%. Uh, and this is a good time to talk about uh, the realities of the lower back in the pistol. Um, you are going to flex the lumbar spine. Um, when you're getting that compressed, that low on a single leg and holding the other leg out, um, you are more than likely unless you just have the the ideal, uh, body structure for the pistol, uh, which Joanna uh Taryn, who is on, on the strong first body weight course, you know, you watch her drop in and out of the pistol and she pretty much maintains like a, a, a neutral spine. Um that is a body that is meant to do pistols, right? <laughs> um we talked about my hip structure a little bit and you know as Pavel would always look at my pistol and go, Why are you using so much ankle? I'm like, I don't have a choice. Yeah. I I don't my hip doesn't move that far. So yeah. Like, if I don't access every bit of ankle mobility I've got, I ain't pistoling. Uh, Side story, I was getting ready to present at a conference on the pistol, single leg squat, and um, I didn't want to be the person, and it had been a little while since I had trained pistols, and so I didn't want to be the person up on stage going, uh, this is a great exercise. I don't do it. But this is a great <laughs> exercise. Uh, so I went through the steps to get my pistol back. Well, I ended up really, because I wanted to just be able to do a bodyweight pistol, really irritated my back. Yeah. And so for me, at this stage of my life, uh, I will only do counterbalance uh single leg uh squats and pistols and things of that nature. Because with the counterbalance, I am able to sit into a far more upright position, have way less stress on my low back, and it's a way easier uh, movement. So, And when we teach the pistol at an SFB um, or at the the bodyweight workshops, we teach you how to preset that bit of flexion so that you're not changing your spine under that load and, and compression. If I teach you to be perfectly upright and neutral and have a little arch in your lower back, knowing that as you go down into the pistol, you are going to round your lower back, changing shape under load and position is a bad deal, uh, in my opinion, and I think there's enough information out there to support that. Um, So we're going to show you, you know, how do you start your pistol? Well, you're actually going to posterior tilt, round the back a little bit, place yourself in the position that you're going to end up in anyway at the bottom. Um, My back happens to not appreciate flexion in these days. And so counterbalance is the way to go for me. And I love the way you describe that continuum from counterbalance to unloaded to then progressing in load. Um, And then you can talk about manipulating where that load is because holding that kettlebell, even just a little bit out in front of you um, is going to be somewhat assistive up to a certain point and then very challenging up to a certain point. Then you can bring that load back into the rack position, and now your center of mass is different again, Mm -hmm. and it's a very challenging uh, single leg squat. Uh, So uh, pistol or single leg squat. So probably a lot to unpack there, but uh, really wanted to highlight that back position conversation. And if you're somebody and you, you know you are a flexion tolerant in person or you have some issues at your hip, you get some pinching, you know, you've got some cam or pincher style FAI. You've got some things there. You want to tiptoe into this progression very carefully. And you might be somebody for whom single leg deadlift, airborne lunge, and some version of a box pistol is as far as you go into this progression. Um, So, you know, a lot of things to take into consideration.
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, you were talking about presetting and, and sort of establishing the pelvis positioning, the positioning of the ribcage and the spine first, teaching everyone how to zip up, go in and go out. And again, um, tension, tension is strength. And and that's one of the reasons why um, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of the bodyweight course, the SFB, because um, it's really, it's a course on tension through bodyweight that's really what it is. And, uh, I, I took it last. I actually, it was something that I took later and I had done all these things, but, um, I tell you what the, you know, the cues and, and the, uh, the lessons on, on, on creating tension and the principles of how to utilize tension correctly carry over, um, into obviously the kettlebell and into the barbell and dumbbells and every other type of strength training. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's one part of, uh, of this too, that, um, from a functional anatomy standpoint that we need to consider. So when you are doing that, that sort of, you know, that heavy squat and you're, you're preloading, you know, you're going to bring your elbows in towards your body. You're going to really, you know, you're going to get your abs on, but you're also going to use your lats. And, um, you know, from a functional anatomy standpoint, if you can create tension in your lats and we look at, you know, the connection on the, on the backside, you've got your lats through your uh, thoracolumbar fascia into the opposing hip and glute. Well, guess what? If you are doing a left-sided single-leg squat, and you're really zipping up and using those lats, creating tension in the opposing lat is actually going to give you more stability on the whole back side. Um, so there's also that cross-body connection, and that's one of the reasons why um, it, you really um, are able to zip up in that position. Um, you know, keeping your elbows by your side to keep your lats really, really engaged is is phenomenal, and that's one of the reasons why we love a double kettlebell front squat, right? Uh, Simply because you can really zip up the entire column and and not to get too off tangent, but the second, the, not the second, the elbows come off the ribs, but the higher the elbows move towards the sky, the harder it's going to be able to become to engage your lats. It's just simply how it works. It's, 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 uh, you know, muscles in a shortened position are stronger. It's why we teach the hollow position because we are compressing everything down and we are shortening, um, you know, the distance from the rib cage to the pelvis in that hollow position. And we're, we're holding that position and that strength, a lot more people, everybody is stronger in a slightly flexed position than a overextended position because, you know, it's that whole length tension relationship, but, um, there's, there's a lot behind it as well. And, um, but it does require, um, a lot. And, um, And I will say that the pistol, when you start to go heavy, you can easily overdo it. And and, and here's why. Programming the pistol is is very unique. And um, how the tension from the pistol impacts your nervous system. Because um, you can fry your nervous system out by never using a weight. Because the amount of tension that you're going to be using in a one-on-one leg push-up or a pistol is very, very high. And if you've never experienced neural fatigue, start training some heavy pistols or spend a lot of time doing pistols. All of a sudden, you're going to feel like you're on another planet for a little bit because that is, uh, you're going to be smoked and that's your nervous system going, hey, <laughs> we're good for today. Definitely. And I, I think that uh, in general,
1: it is a low volume activity, um, two, two to three reps at a time. Maybe three to five sets at a time. Um, you know, the 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 hundred pistol challenge is a, a a dumb one to take on, as far as I'm I'm concerned. Um, I think that uh, just the orthopedic cost of that sort of repeated uh, stress, uh, especially when people typically don't take the time necessary to build up to the pistol in the right way into add volume in the right way, um, we get in a hurry. And so we, we blow past some stop signs and we, we, we blow past some progressions, um, because we can, and I, I see this in something as simple as a military press. When somebody's trying to progress towards say it's a half bodyweight military press for, for level two, they think because the weight went up, they must've done it right. <laughs> and that's not the case. Uh, there's usually, you know, it, there there's downward movement before the press. There's too much lean. There's, um, um, a, you know, a leg drive. There's there's a variety of things that that become part of that press, and the person's not aware of it because in their mind, the weight went up. I must have done it right. And the same thing happens in the pistol. Well, I squatted down and came back up on one leg, so I must have done it right. Eh, not necessarily. <laughs> There's, there's a few options for things. I had, I had a a friend of mine that, um, years back who would, you know, just on, on a routine and especially if there were people around, uh, drop into a pistol and I would watch and watch this massive pronation Valgus collapse, like, uh, just really bad looking position. And, uh, I tried to, you know, say something and was basically told I didn't understand marketing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like what does that have to do with valgus collapse at your knee um and uh that that person i believe it since said he's glad uh, they are glad that uh you know they have videos of them doing pistols because they can't do it anymore and um that's the cautionary tale in in the long run is yes there are things that you will get away with sometimes for a very long period of time until you can't get away with them anymore and so there is this counter argument and you know when we talk about things and we talk about you know practice not training um, the skill of strength the uh the time that needs to be spent building these uh movements uh and and really honing in on the skill and and the execution the precision behind these movements there's a reason um yes there are many roads to rome uh Most of those will drive you into the ocean or off a cliff. Uh, Just because you're on the road to Rome doesn't mean you're going to get there uh, or doesn't mean that there's not going to be a high cost for that trip. Um, My job as a coach is to hone in on that precision aspect, to work on that skill of strength, to build a pattern that is not only strong and repeatable, but safe over time. Um, I think if we look at, you know, where coach Boyle's kind of gone with the single leg squat over time and now working a lot of uh, these single leg squats where you're standing on a box or elevated surface so that you're not obligated to hold that, uh, the other leg up, uh, to the full kind of pistol sort of, uh, uh, standard that really changes the squat. Uh Um, it's a great, it's a great single leg squat, uh, but there's a lot less stress on the, on the low back in the system. Uh, just, just taking the obligation away to, to hold that leg, uh, opposite leg up. Um, and, you know, coach uses the single leg squat a lot uh, with a wide range of athletes to great success. So, you know, that is a pistol or single leg squat variation that is worthy of, of taking a look at. And um, probably even for somebody like myself, it would probably be a much better, you know, pistol variation just with my hip structure and, and creating some room there. Um, so long-term safety, uh, and when we look at the, to circle this back into the programming conversation, um, it's low volume, it's plenty of recovery, it's focus on precision skill, uh, and taking your time on, on the progressions. Um, and even if you can do a perfect pistol and, you know, same conversation with almost any movement, um, you get away with it for a while. And then because you're fatigued, because your neurological system shot, because something's going on, you end up overloading a certain piece or part and run, running into a little bit of a problem. Um, so, you know, it is one of those things to, uh, be aware of and, and program intelligently.
0: Absolutely. And, um, you know, when it comes to programming, I have, I love programming. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I've, uh, I've tried a bunch of things and I've done a bunch of things, um, <clears throat> And, and here's my experience when it comes to programming for the pistol, because, uh, you know, I think that based off of what I've been able to do, I have pistoled the 48. Um, I think I've attempted heavier, but um, I'm not sure if I hit it or not. But I've, I've done have done a 48 and I've done some fairly high volume sort of bodyweight pistols. But here's some basic guidelines to consider. Now, if you don't want to listen to me, cool. It doesn't make a difference to me. I'm not going to lose any sleep. But um, rule of 12 um, no more than 12 total pistols, pistol squats per side. Now, how you want to, uh, break that up is going to be up to you. So, um, if I am going to program for someone that is going to do, you know, work on pistols and, uh, they, they want to work towards a heavy pistol. Um, I waive the load. Um, you know, I don't uh, necessarily go absolutely crazy nailing percentages down, but, I wave the load and it's it's uh it's gone pretty well so far. Um, one day if you're doing heavy singles, three reps per side, that's really all you need with plenty of rest. You know, do a couple ramp up sets, but you know, you do three sets of one heavy, it's gonna wake you up a little bit, right? So one day that's gonna be your high stim day. Um, sort of your middle of the road day. Um, say you're working in doubles or triples. Um, total volume, I would say, is about anywhere from six to nine reps. All right. So you can go three by two, you can go three by three. That seems to work quite well for most people. Um, And lastly, if you're going a little bit higher volume, you could approach fours or fives loaded. But again, if you're going to go like three sets of four, that would be the total amount of volume that I would do because um, man, it does get pretty spicy. So it's basically load wavering, um, but we're still keeping the total volume very, very low. Um, I, I don't think you can really follow like a a prolipers chart on this because it's such a unique exercise that less is more, but I found that, um, you know, going much over, you know, 12 pistol squats, um, and this would be, you know, per side. So 24 total, um, is, is something that, um, I think will keep you fairly, fairly safe, but at the same time, not burn you out and it'll yield results because um, they do kick your butt. And I rarely, I don't think I've ever programmed more than sets of five on these because man, they're tiring. So that's the basic guidelines that I use And is, uh, you know, plenty of rest in between and um, the days in between couple days off in between is not a bad thing. So if you did like a Monday, Thursday, Sunday routine where you have two full days off, um, that's going to be pretty beneficial for you. And, and if you are going to be programming squats, do those early in the training session, because they're going to be pretty taxing on the nervous system and you don't want to start doing, you know, heavy pistols at the end of a workout when you're already tired. And that's where, you know, the precision aspect can come back and, and bite
1: you because you, you, again, you, you went down and came back up, so you must've done it right. And, uh, that is rarely the case, um. So I think that uh, I, I love the guidelines and the uh, you know total volume and breaking it out by by load and, and waving uh, of, of what you're doing. Um, and I think just keep an eye on the precision, you know, look at what's happening. And as I said before, if you're, you know, you're a flexion tolerant, inflection intolerant person that has a history of stuff at the hip or the low back, you're probably doing counterbalance pistols you're doing. And I, and I think. There's a huge play in my mind for the airborne lunge as not only a foundational skill to progress to the pistol with, but as something that is sometimes superior to the pistol uh, in building leg strength. Uh, If you look at the position you get into in a good airborne lunge, uh, man, it looks like a a really good sprint mechanics Um, and and it can really put some horsepower behind that single leg um, anterior chain balanced out with the single leg posterior chain of the single leg deadlift. That combo is a powerful combo. Now it's harder to load the airborne lunge, um, weight vest work. Um, you can hold onto a sandbag and, you know, there are ways to load the airborne lunge, but this is one of those exercises that, uh, you know, I, I, I knew people that built up to like, they were doing chops and lifts with like. You know the stack of, of a of a weight weight rack. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you just don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, airborne lunge is a little bit similar, I think, in that the 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 benefits are not brought by the load that you can handle, but simply by performing that that skill. There's probably a way to wrap yourself up in a resistance band and create resistance via the resistance band. Um, I just tend not to wrap myself up in resistance bands all that often. Um, except for so that I'm one sure time, a, wait, oh, wait, it, what? I needed the money. It was in college. Um, <laughs> so God, I wish
0: we, I wish we edited these cause nope. that would be a good, we, to no, that's the authenticity of our, of our <laughs> podcast. That's why we, that's why we're X rated, man. We have explicit lyrics. I think there's maybe. I think I have like one episode early on and it was like with one of my buddies and he's a, he's a maniac. I love him to death. He just loves the F word. And I think that was the main reason when <laughs> I started the podcast, I was like, we need to do explicit lyrics here. Like <laughs> you're not going to hear much from us, you know, but um, yeah. And anyways, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. So we're just going to so back to the airborne lunch. Um, <laughs> a little
1: bit goes a long way as far as the airborne lunge is concerned. And if, but if you're looking for a single leg activity that you can load up pretty heavy and do a decent volume on single leg deadlift is your Huckleberry. Absolutely. So, and notice my pronunciation there. Huckleberry. Uh, in tombstone, when doc holiday says, I'm your Huckleberry, he's probably saying Huckleberry because the handles on the side of a casket that, that Paul bears were used are huckleberries huckleberry they're they're called huckles and so you're a hucklebear if you are a pallbearer at uh at a funeral and so he was probably saying you know i'll i'll carry you into the ground uh i'll be one of your pallbearers so um
0: okay little fyi from brett little jeopardy <laughs> moment there okay um cliff clavin moment you know actually <laughs> the ascent mayans <laughs> uh anywho uh we're already getting to the point where we're getting uh we're, we're getting off course a little bit um what were you talking about uh something about guns right yes. um H- huckles huckle guns um anyways <laughs> so that pretty much uh, wraps it up on the pistol i uh Maybe we'll put them in the show notes. I'm terrible at that, by the way. Uh, I have an old video that I posted on Facebook from like six or seven years ago that runs you through a progression. And there's an article on the Strong First site that's kind of a a cleaned up, polished version, but um, give you some insight on that. But um, again, awesome exercise. um, Strength coaches, if you're going to use it, Put, put yourself out there first, do it, run th- through the progressions, feel how it feels, gain the experience yourself. Don't just read it off of a blog or listen to a podcast with two guys that work for Strong First. Actually get out there and uh, and do it yourself and, 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 and use that experience to become a better coach. So um, that's it for today. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a huge favor and give us a positive review in whatever platform you're listening to. And we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.